Welcome back to Above the Shoulders Podcast. I'm Angela. And I'm Brendan. And today we're going to be talking about several different topics. The first, we're going to be talking about clubs in college, our experience with clubs. Uh, we were in a variety of clubs. Then we're going to be talking about ebooks and marketing, how we wrote our ebooks, how we're marketing for those. And then we're going to talk about the need to learn coding. Uh, and this is going to be from every field, not just the STEM field, but business and, and a bunch of other things. So let's get into the first one. We kind of had a unique experience with clubs. Um, first, the way that we discovered clubs was through the club fair. I don't know if every college has a club fair, but Appalachian State certainly did. And it's like the first week generally of uh, classes. And sometimes it's like the very first weekend. So everyone might move in on a Friday, get the weekend to kind of settle in, and then classes start on Monday. That weekend is also a big, I think that might be a time when people do clubs, like a Saturday kind of thing. Maybe it was Monday, the first day of classes. But anyways, there are, usually every single university has a club fair. Now, we think that there's two ways to think about clubs. Angie will talk about the first. So first is based off your major or your professional clubs. For example, I joined the American Marketing Association first semester. I was a business marketing major. So that just helps you get credibility, hang out with your peers, learn your know your professors before you really get to take any of those classes and just get a head start on your professionalism. I did two professional organizations or uh, clubs based on my major. One was the math club, because I was a math major, it kind of made sense. And the next one was called NCTM, which was the National Council for Teachers of Mathematics. And, you know, these professional clubs, they are pretty big resume boosters. Not only because they look good, but also they send you places. NCTM had multiple uh, meetings around the U.S. where I was able to go and, and see and meet people within my field and I was able to go to conferences, and I think I went to Greensboro, North Carolina for a conference. Um, and it's still a field that where they release like a, a professional journal that you can with research involved in the professional journal. So it's like you know a way to be on top of cutting re edge research in your field. Second way we think about clubs is through hobbies and interests. So Brendan and I were both in acapella groups. That was kind of our hobby club. And we were in brother-sister groups, so sometimes we got to perform together, which was pretty fun. We did competitions. and and But actually, that brings me to my next point. Uh, for In my acapella group, I was the business manager. So within your hobby clubs, you do have different roles, treasurer, whatever, that you can use to apply towards your career career goals and put those on your resume. Yeah, I think I think I was the vice president. I'm about 95% positive. I had a role, and I believe I was voted the vice president. Yeah, and so a little bit more about acapella. That was kind of like our way to diversify our college experience. It's like I did so much with math i didn't want it, it becomes overwhelming cuz it start it becomes how you think you think in mathematics or you think in logic and all of those things so you really need something on your resume to say hey you know i'm i'm involved in things other than that and so i wanted to be involved in something in the art field music field related so i a cappella was a good fit and we both like to sing 
I'm a baritone and I was a beatboxer in my group. Angie, you are a... I was a soprano, sometimes an alto. Yeah, and if you think it's like Pitch Perfect, it is and it isn't. I would say the competitions are very much Pitch Perfect-esque. Yeah. Like, to a T. I would say what Pitch Perfect doesn't show is like... Uh, you know, you see the practice going on in Pitch Perfect, and it looks like it's so much fun and all of this. It is so much hard work. I mean, acapella oh, took up... so much. How many hours? We practiced twice a week for like two hours, and then around the competitions we usually had several extra practices for I don't even know Absolutely. how long. And the and the competitions were major. Like they weren't like, oh, we're just gonna sing against a bunch of other people and and uh, whoever's the best is is all happy go lucky. They're they're serious. It's taken seriously. There's thousands of people that come to this. I, the two competitions that are the two major ones are called Acapella Geddon and Acapocalypse. Now, those are the two ones where you're being compared, you, you're being judged. Um, and, you know, we, it was just so serious because there was not just singing involved, but kind of dancing to some extent, too. A lot of choreography. Yeah, choreography. And then you also had concerts where you know let's say another club on campus was paying your group to come sing for some event that happened several times and we also my group went on tour for our fall break instead of actually having a fall break we went on tour one of the years my last year that i was in so there was a ton of you know just really cool experience we probably could do a whole podcast on acapella but we're going to kind of cut that off and just say that you can you can Join clubs based on majors and hobbies. Now, this next one's going to be a club that's not really a major, and it's not a hobby that I did, but it, it probably could fall under professional organization. It was really a club-esque that was designed for personal growth. So Appalachian State has these things called RLCs. RLCs are called Residential Learning Community. So you live in this club. Like, you're a part of this club, and then you live in it. So everyone that you live with is also part of this club, everyone on your entire floor. And I joined one called the Service and Leadership. So we had to do a certain number of community service hours. Uh, we had to attend a certain number of leadership summits. We had, to, uh, we had to figure out a way to find so many community service projects to do, and then also figure out a way to market it so that we just had a ton of volunteers. Like um, during, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks before exams, it's tough to find people that are like, yeah, let's go out. Because we live in the mountains. Let's go out and pull rocks up and build a trail. It was hard. Um, but it was things like that. Sometimes there was painting or scraping old paint off. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that we had to plan for. Um, but those are the type of things that are like resume builders. You guys um, tweeted us if you want to hear more about our acapella or any college experience. Um, we're at Podcast ATS on yes, Twitter. Absolutely. So overall, we would say you would use clubs. You need to use clubs to build your future and have fun. So, like I said, you need to use it as to build a resume or towards a future job goal. Maybe a club will help you with a skill that you need in a job. But also make friends and enjoy yourself. Because you only go to college once. 
Unless you're like me. Or But then you're going to night school and it's not fun. You know, you're not no. like it's not It's fun. It's just not uh enjoyable. <laughs> I it's it's weird. <laughs> Grad school's a different story. You only go to undergrad once. Yeah. <laughs> um also club show diversification and interest and talents. So I because I did acapella in college, when I became a teacher in high school, I started being asked by students to perform with the with the high school choir or the high school chorus. And so I actually was performing in the Christmas concert with them by beatboxing uh, certain songs, certain pentatonic songs. And, you know, it just shows, it shows whoever your employer is that you can do things not only related to your your field you can do your everything in your field really well but you can do things outside of your field really well you're an all-around person and lastly clubs help you make connections with peers and community members um in my service and leadership club i sat there and met you know the mayor and and just a bunch of people the the chancellor just a bunch of people who have a lot of authority in the area and because you do clubs, you end up building really good bonds with a lot of people that's your age. So when they go out and do good things, you're you're a part of that. And you're going to want to make connections so you can get that recommendation letter before you leave college for your jobs. <laughs> Something to think about always. So now on to segment two, our ebooks and how we market for them. So... First, how we wrote our ebooks. We just kind of decided one day that we wanted to write an ebook. It was so, more like a challenge. Like it was like, do you think we could write a book? And it was during the summer of last year, and it was, you know, a challenge to say, yeah, I could write an ebook. And then the other person said, yeah, I bet I could too. And then we said, let's do it. We kind of and we gave ourselves a time limit. We gave ourselves two months and I actually, we recently published a blog post on our website above the shoulders podcast.weebly.com how we wrote our eBooks in two months, but we're going to tell you now we used Google docs. We published them on Amazon. We gave each other feedback and we kind of just didn't really criticize it too much. We just put it out there. Yeah. It's like a trial run. I once heard when you go and get your PhD that the best dissertation is a done dissertation. And so that's kind of how I treated this ebook. It was more like the best ebook right now would be the the, the ebook that's comp- that's finished. I, I want to write a bunch of ebooks. I, I don't want to limit myself to one, so I don't, you know, I, what we did was we wanted to prove to ourselves that we could do it. And so it was not difficult picking a topic to write about. We each wanted to write, we definitely didn't want to write fiction books. We wanted to write a non-fiction book. And we wanted it to be more like a, not a, a mixture, I don't want to say self-help, because it wasn't self-help, but it was self-education is probably best, because it had nothing to do with mental, emotional states. I guess you could talk, mine was a little bit about math anxiety, but nothing to do with, with that. It was more facts, and this is how it works. So we decided to pick topics that that we understood that we knew about that we had we had written about previously you know my my degree was in math so i ended up picking you know how uh, the what's the best way to learn math my book's actually titled how not to suck at math but that was from a different you know perspective 
The another way um, to pick a book topic is look back at things that not just things that you know, but things that you've actually written. Like I had a whole capstone paper on prime numbers. So if I write my next book, it might be on number theory and I'm just going to use copy and paste some stuff from that. And because I had did so much in math, written so much about math education, I did do that for this book. I took snippets of things that I had written previously. You know, I, uh, there's no one that says you can't combine multiple uh, versions of, or multiple essays into one book. That's, completely okay you've written it so take advantage of it definitely and I kind of just I didn't have anything that I had written about previously um my book is called how to a guide to creating content for beginners so I kind of just went off of what I've done which is blog posts creating content etc and you know as far as marketing your ebook this is kind of what we're doing now. We created a podcast. We have a website. We post blog posts, which is just kind of like this never ending cycle of content creation in my brain. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It, we decided, you know, the best way to market our ebook was to actually uh, physically, like Angie, Angie does marketing all day. And so we decided the best way to market this, you know, without spending a bunch of money was to get involved in the community of people who listen to podcasts and, and use that to kind of platform our books. And that's what we're doing. And but but the podcast is starting to like take an identity of its own rather than mm -hmm. just a a way for us to sell the book. It started as that. Uh, so we're hoping that that, you know, it, it be, we just hope that it becomes its own thing. Definitely. And uh, so why should you write an ebook? I think that you should write an ebook to prove to yourself you can do it. How many people have written a book? A lot of people, but not as many. But as how you many think. people do you know? Yeah, that it, have written a book? Yeah, we it is not something that just everyone does. It, it's a struggle. It kind of sucks. No part of the, it's almost like running a marathon. It's not that you're having fun during that marathon. You're not sitting there during the marathon and like, I'm loving this. It is the feeling you get at the end of it that's fun. So if you choose to, you know, write an ebook, just know it's it isn't it's a process. It's a struggle, it's a grind. You really got to put you know, a lot of a lot of thought, time and effort into it. And it's not going to be easy. You're not going to get it done in one day. You're but you're also not going to make a ton of money from it on day 1. Unless you're super lucky. So instead of trying to make money, also think about how it makes you a master of your subject. They say that you can only really know something when you can teach it to somebody else. I can vouch for this because I felt like I knew math in college. And it, while I did, it started making so much more sense when you teach math. Uh... You know, I, I bet if I were to make a podcast about the things I'm learning in math right now in grad school, it would end up making a lot more sense in my head because when you have to explain something, especially a complicated topic to somebody else, you have to figure out a way to break it down to someone who doesn't understand it. Like you're coming from a perspective of somebody who already understands the topic. And so you have to constantly, at least I do when I teach math, I have to constantly think about 
these 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 people in front of me, they don't have the same background in math that I have. So if someone just said, blah, 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 to me, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I got it. But to them, that's all they hear is blah, 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 blah. It doesn't, there's no, they haven't spent enough time with it. And so I try to be that teacher that, you know, I had really good math teachers, so I'm not going to say I try to be the teacher that I wish I had. I just try to be a good math teacher. That's all I'm trying to be. So now... Let's talk about the third subject, and it's the need for coding in every field. So why do we need this? Well, I had this, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, and we were talking, they were telling me, they're an older teacher, and they were telling me that when they were around my age, and they're not old, I'm not, they're just older than me, and when they were around my age, they said that the new skill was being able to learn how to type on the computer and then when they got a little bit older it became you need to be Microsoft Word certified that was like the big skill like if you understood Microsoft Word then then you 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 had an office job guaranteed like you were you were somebody well I think that skill has transitioned definitely that you know one with the production of Google Docs Microsoft Word has become uh, it's not needed as much because Google Docs so nice that you can share files with somebody that you can both edit a file at the same time. It's just been a challenger for Microsoft Word and probably a highly competitive challenger for Microsoft Word. But that used to be the skill that everybody was like pushing for you to learn. I remember when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago, people we had Microsoft Word classes or a Microsoft class where we, they wanted us certified in PowerPoint, Word, and... I don't know, is it Access? I'm not sure what the other one was that we had to get certified Excel. in. Excel. Wasn't Excel. Uh, publish or no. It was some some media software. I'm not sure. I thought it was just Word and Excel. Or Word and, I'm sorry, Word and PowerPoint. There was another one I feel like I had, and I'm not sure what it was. Anyways, so that that skill, though, has shifted. It shifted into coding. And it's used in almost every single career that is not a career straight out of high school. But I do believe that that's probably something that's going to be used straight out of high school. Look at people in college 30 years ago were like, I need to learn Microsoft Word. Every job that is going to need Microsoft Word for people with college degrees. And then you get out of high school and like you just need to know Microsoft Word in high school. I think coding is getting to that point where it was like something that people in college just needed to know. But now people out of high school need to know it too. And... Um, so most careers in the future are going to involve some knowledge of programming computers. Every business needs a website. Angie actually had a conference the other day where she can talk a little bit about it with, with a marketer who explicitly talked about having to learn coding. Yeah, she, she just she's in a su superior position. So she, you know, she's in a leadership role. She doesn't have to do that sort of thing. But that's kind of where her roots came from. So she still enjoys coding her own website. So it's kind of interesting. So like every business needs a website, um, I think uh, if you have the ability to be able to, as, if a marketer knows coding, they know ex explicitly how to uh, design exactly what they want. For instance, if you're using like a third-party software to market or to develop um, some type of media design for a website, you're kind of 
hand, you're kind of held to whatever is available on this third party site. There's no, uh, there's no, you are, I don't even know the term, but I know you're handcuffed into what they have to offer. But if you can design your own thing, then you can start incorporating like research into it. Like you can look into the psychology of the eyes and, and, or the psychology of, of looking at a, a poster. I believe there's something to do with like a Z pattern, like the eyes follow a Z pattern. So the most important information needs to be in a Z pattern. But if you can't have that information, if you can't design that on a third party website, you can might be able to design it yourself if you know coding. And people pay big bucks for website development. So this could be a very lucrative skill for you to have as well. So in, in my particular field, I use coding uh, in a few different ways. Well, one, we can use it while we're teaching kids. Uh, there's multiple competitions for mathematical modeling in which coding in MATLAB is, is highly uh, valued. Um, so MATLAB's a huge one to learn coding for. When And if you're going to be any type of physics, chemistry, mathematics major, you'll probably be introduced to MATLAB eventually. Um, other types of coding that I've had to, and I'm not, a computer science major whatsoever but I've been exposed to Python to be able to help me solve math problems um, we use coding in math now to solve problems it is not it's the, the days of grabbing a calculator and developing an equation are are over I think mathematicians say low-hanging fruit is gone in terms of mathematics and science Everything that you need is, is, is higher up fruit. You got to climb the tree a little bit more than the people in front of you. You know, not that the things that the people in front of you did weren't significant. They were absolutely significant. You're standing on the shoulders of giants, which kind of, uh, is the, the, our inspiration behind the title of our podcast. But, um, you know, you, you have to learn coding to be able to solve these types of problems. Computers are becoming integrated in every field whatsoever, you, you know? So another one is this summer I'm, I'm, taking i believe a non-linear dynamics and chaos theory class i believe i'll do a little bit more on chaos theory it's it's kind of a really cool subject but we are we have to learn coding in that numerical analysis that i'm taking this summer there's coding in that there's just so much coding that is is needed in in so many fields it it i talked to my i have a little brother and he is 10 years younger than me he's getting ready to start high school and he codes like once a week in school and when I was in high school, I never heard of coding. Like, I knew it was a thing because you watch YouTube. I mean, when I was a kid, YouTube was around. Or not a kid, but when I was a teen, YouTube was around. And you just knew that in order to make apps on the phone, you had to code. You th but you thought it was like a sophisticated, complicated thing. And now we got 14-year-olds doing it. It's pretty interesting to think how education changes over the years and what's the next best thing. But I mean, I, I am pretty grateful that we were taught like how to type and things like that. Cause I have a coworker, she's in her fifties and she cannot type probably even 20 words per minute. And I can type like 65 words per minute. So it really goes to show you how those skills can make you work you know work harder work smarter not harder and you know you become 
obviously that this the skill that we need now, the skill that will be pushed now, will will be coding. You know, previously it was the use of computers. Now it's coding computers. We it, you can't predict what the next skill is going to be, or even how long this one will last. Learning how to use computers um, was a skill up until the point that everyone knew how to use computers. Then it was not a necessary skill anymore. Like that used to be something you put on a resume was, I know how to use computers. I, I'm 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 I work with computers well, and now it's like, oh yeah, well everyone does, and so while coding, eventually we'll get to that level. It'll be an expectation rather than a a skill. So you want to get ahead of the game there, because it's not going away. This is how we are building our society. Coding will be the next. If once it's 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 one of the things where once you learn coding, you know, I just see my grandparents saying this about Microsoft Word. Like I can envision in my head my grandparents saying, "Once you once you're fluent and certified in Microsoft Word, you got a job for life." And I feel like I'm just restating that, inserting a new skill. And so I'm just saying coding, but and so I can't tell you how long coding is going to last. I'm not, I'm not even sure you know, what coding will look like when we have quantum computers around, if it'll stay the same or if we'll have to develop new techniques to code. But what I do know is that for right now and for the future, the near future, and probably for a little while, coding is going to be a skill that that if you learn and become fluent in, there's not a job that you will do where that will not be a valid skill that they're seeking. So I think that wraps it up for us today. I appreciate you spending your time listening to this podcast. Tell us your thoughts on Twitter at PodcastATS. You can find our website at AboveTheShouldersPodcast.Weebly.com where you can find our blog, our podcast episodes, and our books. You can find those on Amazon. Mine is How Not to Suck at Math. And mine is a guide to content creation for beginners. Well, we appreciate you listening to us. We hope you guys have a great day. Bye.